eight. Ezra Jordan Demink. So let's ask Stephanie and Jerry Hot Rod Demink to come on up with their little ones. One of the fa- my favorite parts of pastoring is I get to watch families grow. I was at your guys' wedding, and you didn't have any children yet. I just want to make that clear. I just want to say it out loud in public. And here you guys are, a family. It's just beautiful. I'm going to ask the, if the other, if your mom and dad and would like to come up and join us. And looks like we have sisters. And so we have uh, mom, dad, right? And who's over here? Grace and Dorothy. You're taking pictures, okay? Sisters, your sisters, very cool. All right, Gary, come on up. Also, just uh, um, Bruce, who suffered with migraines for years, just said that the migraine completely went away. And I, and I just want to say that Bruce doesn't just say things to make things be said. That's too serious of a situation there. So that is, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for moving like that. God, we thank you so much for Ezra Jordan Demink. The Bible says that children are a hassle. I mean, I'm sorry. I have six, so I can say that. The Bible says children are a gift from the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is a reward of the Lord. So God has rewarded you. And Jerry, the Bible says that he defines a wife finds a good thing. <laughs> he says, oh, yeah. And obtains favor from the Lord because you need it. Because you need more provision and more grace for your family. So you never have to be intimidated as your family expands because God's favor expands. Amen. You've seen it right on, right on. So. We thank you, God, so much for Ezra Jordan. We also thank you for Anna, precious little one. And we bless him in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. We pray now the blessing of God, the favor of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit come upon Ezra Jordan from this moment forward. We pray that he prophesies. We pray that he worships Jesus. We pray, Father, for divine revelation given to Ezra. Not that he has to pine away for it, but that it is a gift from God that the heavens will be opened over his spirit, that he can perceive and understand and know the Lord from a very young age. Just like Samuel, hearing the voice of God as a little child. I pray for the anointing that's on Stephanie and on Jerry for the passion for missions in the world, the music, the worship, the wisdom, the desire to live radical. I pray, God, that it transfers to the next generation and pours into Ezra Jordan Demink. Oh, he's smiling at me. He likes that one. Radical for the Lord in the name of Jesus. Now, Jerry and Stephanie, do you guys commit to living your lives full out for Jesus Christ? Do you commit to raising your children in the faith of the Lord with no apologies? Do you commit to letting them see you pray? Read the word, come to church, trust God with your finances, do missions. You commit to letting them see a wonderful example of what it means to live right for God. Yeah, man, that's right. Yeah. What people group are you going to adopt? 
Well, Jesus, we present Ezra Jordan Domingue to you into your hands and your safety, your protection and your provision. And I pray a greater outpouring of provision for this family as they now bring a new one into this world and raise them up in the kingdom of God. And I just have a hard time doing this because you keep smiling at me so big. In Jesus name. Yes. As, uh, as I walked up here, the, it just hit me. The word was heritage. I mean, it's just clear, the godly heritage. And uh, I felt like the Lord was saying, as far as Ezra, I, I, saw, this, I saw this picture of, of a person coming up to a horse to get on the horse, and somebody else puts their hand down and gives them a leg up to get on the horse. And this little guy has you guys, and you guys giving him a leg up. And I was reminded of a, of a teaching that Bill Johnson gives regarding our ceilings. Each of your ceilings in God becomes his floor because That's of what really you're good. pouring into him. And, Bert, I felt like, you know, I, I've got seven grandkids. I love them all. I, give, I try to pour into each of them. But a couple of them seem to come back to me a little differently than others. I feel like you're going to have that kind of a connection with Ezra. Blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, happy Father's Day. For those of you that are, thank you very much. For those of you that are here for the first time, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor here. We have a great, great team here. More importantly, the presence of the Lord uh, in our church is always so real. We believe that Jesus Christ is here. Even in that dark section there where the lights are burned out. Apologize for that, but I don't run the school. Doing the best I can. And uh, we love to worship Jesus. He's the center of everything we do. And everything else is an outflow from that, even the teachings. So can we just all say, welcome, Jesus. Amen. We we can never move away from him being the center of our lives or the center of our church uh, life. But today, um, I want to look at, on this Father's Day, the greatest father who has ever lived. And that is God. There is no greater revelation that you and I, I believe, can ever get on this side of heaven than God, God, as our Father. This was the primary revelation Jesus walked in, lived in, and taught, was that God is our Father. In fact, he used an endearing term that really, really made the religious people of his day angry. Because they saw God as this distant being that was holy and awesome and a bit dangerous, which is partially true. But Jesus walked around Jerusalem calling him daddy. And it made him angry that he would dare be so intimate with God. And yet there's this whole other side of God that's fuzzy and warm and cuddly. And this huge invitation as Kirsten saw a vision of the castle, the house of God is the way I interpret that. And him saying, the door's wide open, kids. Come on in and let's hang out together. This is the kind of relationship Jesus had with the Father. It's the kind of relationship that tears down all of our intimidation, our shame, our spiritual insecurity, our fear, and causes the best of us to explode forth. When we understand that our God is also our daddy. 
there are many attributes that we could look at today regarding the definition of fatherhood or daddy. But today I want to zero in on one, and that is provider. Now, I know there are single moms and two-income households, but this does not negate the fact that God has designed fathers to provide. And provision encompasses much more than just material supply. It includes emotional, physical well-being, guidance, leadership, both in the natural and the spiritual, showing tenderness, discipline, wisdom, love, mercy, and truth, balancing family with work. I mean, this is a daunting task for any man. And fathers feel this incredible pressure on them every day because intrinsically God has designed us to be dads. And one of the primary things dads are hardwired to do is provide for their families. And when they can't, it is demoralizing. When they can, they feel incredibly fulfilled. Dads are designed to provide. And our Father in Heaven is such a darn good provider that one of His names actually is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. It doesn't say the Lord might provide, could provide, hope He can provide. The Bible says, Lord, what? Provide. Say it again. The Lord will. Oh, come on. The Lord will provide. Woo! See that? When you hit it right, the volume goes up and everything. The Lord will provide. This is one of His names. And as we've studied a series called The Names of God, which now we're on the, the ninth name of God. There's so many names of the Lord in the Bible that, you know, we come back to the series periodically. And on Father's Day, I wanted to come back to one of God's names. Let's keep that down just a tad. I want to come back to one of God's names, which is provider. Because so many of us live with such deep insecurity and fear and doubt and unbelief in this one particular area that we need an expansion of a revelation of God as our Father who will provide for us. Amen. And dads, I want to say something to you today. What I don't do on Father's Day is tell you how to be a better dad. We honor moms on mom's days and tell them how wonderful they are. And then you come to Father's Days and we tell you three ways, 16 ways, 45 ways to be a better father. What dad wants to come to church to be told that on Father's Day? We like to honor dads on Father's Day. Amen. So the way I want to honor you today, dad, is I want to say to you very clearly, you do not have to provide for your family alone. You have a dad in heaven who is providing for you as you are providing for your family. Amen? Amen. Grandpas, don't you like to help provide for your sons and daughters as they provide for your grandchildren? Come on, you know you spoil them. You ruin them, right? Grandparents, grandparents, and I was raise your hands. Don't, don't fall asleep on me. Okay. You like to make sure that your grandchildren are well taken care of, right? So you like to help your sons and daughters and provide for them as they provide for their families because you want your family whole. I'm good. I don't. It's on. What did you want me to check besides it being on? All right. Thank you, AJ. Thank you, Ken. So just like you and I as grandparents. Well, I'm not a grandparent yet. But I'm going to have a whole bunch of them. It's awesome. Just like you want your grandchildren to be well taken care of, so you provide for your children to provide for their children. So our Father in Heaven, dads, are providing for you so that you can provide for His children. Amen? This is the revelation I want you to grab a hold of today. So you understand that you are in a partnership. Let's go to the book of Genesis, chapter 15. 
1 through 6, and we're also going to do Genesis chapter 22. I want to read a portion of text this morning. And we're going to look at a guy named Abram, which means exalted father, whose name was later changed to Abraham, which is the father of many nations. We call him our father of faith through Abraham. Now catch this. Father God in heaven poured into Abraham a measure of faith that Abraham then was able to live on and live out of so that he became the father of our faith. So that he has sons and daughters all over the planet that live by faith because the Father in heaven poured faith from heaven into Abraham and Abraham through Isaac, Jacob, through Israel, and now to us. So the source of the faith that Abraham is living on came from the Father in heaven. So let's take a look at this in Genesis chapter 15. I'm going to read 1 through 4 and then we're going to go to chapter 22. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. Everybody say, Do not be afraid. This is what your father in heaven is saying to you today on this Father's Day. Do not be afraid. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Other translations say your reward will be great. Both are true. God is our reward and his rewards are great. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. Well, in this, that's nice. My iPad gave me the scripture twice. That was not my fault. It's look, it's my iPad's fault. Look at this. See, it said it twice. See that verse one? And then it says the same thing again. All right, great. All right, verse two. I'm smarter than technology. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So in other words, Abram had come to the end of his ability to provide for his family. And he's crying out to God. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless. In verse 3, then Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir, one of his slaves. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord. And he accounted it to him for righteousness. That whole thing is so huge. We'll come back to it. Let's go to chapter 22. Now, by the time we get to chapter 22, the promised child, Isaac, had already come. And so now God is speaking to Abraham, uh, Abram again. Now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. His name has changed at this point and said to him, Abraham. Now, it came to pass after... They gave me verse one twice again. Verse two. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I should tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire in the wood, but where's the lamp for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, 
God. God will provide. Boy, he has come to a whole new place, hasn't he? He came all the way from God. You've given me no offspring to son. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place which God told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the ladder, do anything. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, say it with me, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. This is the number one of those names where God does not call himself the Lord will provide. Many times God declares his own names. But the other places, the other source of the names of God in the Bible is when an individual has a divine encounter with God. And out of their divine encounter, they see God in a brand new way and they ascribe to God a name that best describes that attribute of God that's just been revealed to him. That's where Jehovah Jireh came from. Abraham ascribed that name to God because out of his own personal experience, he experienced the supernatural provision of God. So now he can say, you are my God who will provide for me. And that's the place God, your father, is trying to get you to. Our life is a journey of faith where he is trying to get us to a place where we will stop fretting and worrying about provision and truly be able to say like Abraham, my God will provide for us. And God wants us to get to this place, not only so we can have rest and peace, but so that our children, when they run into lack and they run into obstacles, they can look at their mom and dad and say, man, they are just so relaxed. When it comes to believing God for provision, because you have honed out your faith in God to come to that place of rest. And that's a heritage we can pass on to our children. Amen. Amen. And that's what God is trying to do with Abraham is to bring him to this place of faith. But Abraham had to come to a place that all of us have to come to. This is really important. So please grab this. Abraham finally came to a place that all of us eventually have to come to for us to truly come to a place where we truly know that God is my provider. And that place is you have to come to the end of yourself. I know that is not appealing, but it seems to be the only way that God can get us to look up. Is when we are completely at the end of our human ability to provide for ourselves, then we cry out to God and God says, finally. And then God says, watch this. Wah! 
And he does something so far beyond your and my ability that you cry out, you are the God who provides for me. And now your relationship with God is completely redefined. And God will do one thing after another thing, after another thing, after another thing to continually communicate to you and I that he truly is Jehovah Jireh to you, just like he was to Abraham. Now, the way that God got Abram to the end of himself was he gave Abraham this promise that he would have a that he would have a child. But we won't go there. But in Genesis chapter 18, in between Genesis 15 and 22, promising a child, Abraham saying, you haven't given me a child all the way to 22, where he has the child. And God is saying, now sacrifice your child to me, which was a test of faith in between there. An angel shows up to Abraham's tent and says this time next year. Sarah's going to have a child and they laughed. Sarah was in the tent and she laughed out loud because it says they were both so advanced in years. She was done. Her body was done. Abraham was done. God waited until they were completely physically incapable of providing for themselves. Why? It's not a trick question. Why? So it could be clear that God provided. Why? Because he's being he's doing a trick. He's like, you know, putting ants under a microphone or a microphone. Yeah, a, my, a, a magnifying glass just to kind of tease him and torment him and watch him watch him squirm. My kids do that. But God doesn't do that. He's not doing this to be mean, to play a trick. He's trying to get us to know him. That's what Christianity is all about, is knowing God. And you and I can't get to know him until we need him. And we don't need him until we're desperate. And then when we're desperate, we cry out to him and God reveals his goodness and his greatness. And so many times he sets up scenarios of lack on purpose so that we have to lean and depend on him so that we can learn and know him. So Abraham or Sarah laughs when the angel says, yeah, this time next year, your your wife's going to have a child. And they both laughed. And he, the angel responds with this. He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is that up there? If I jumped ahead, is anything too hard for the Lord? This is a question the Lord wants to ask you and I today. What is your situation? Where is your lack? Where do you fall short? Now, you may be strong in some areas, but you're going to be weak in others. Maybe you're a good provider. Maybe materially you provide well. But what about time spent? Do you work so much that your children just don't have a dad or a mom? Or maybe it's time spent, but it's time spent in total frustration. Right. With the kids. Or maybe it's time spent and you do it well, but you don't discipline. And so your kids grow up undisciplined and spoiled. You know, maybe you discipline, but you discipline without the context of relationship. So you embitter your children. I mean, you and I just aren't God. We aren't perfect. There's some place where you and I are going to fall short in our fathering in our mothering in our mentoring. And God has done this on purpose. He has purposely made you and I limited. The truth is you are extraordinary, extravagantly limited 
and your human ability to provide. But there's a greater truth than that one. And that is that God is outrageously unlimited in his ability to provide. And this is what God is trying to get across to you and I. Is this truth about himself. So Abraham came to the end of himself. But then he came to the next most important point. Life boils down to very simplistic things after a number of years of living on this planet. The first one is coming to the end of ourselves. But the next one, it says, and he believed in God. That's when you cross over from being fearful, fretful, anxious to being a person of peace and contentment and wisdom and faith is when we cross from coming to the end of ourselves to stepping over to just believing God. That is the massive transformation of the human condition. And that's what it says about Abraham is that he believed God. And at that point, this is so beautiful. God changed Abram's name from Abram to Abraham. The H is the breath of God. It's the Ruach. It's the name of God. So God wants Abraham. This is so important, family of God. You've got to grab this. In your journey of faith, when you come from, I am self-sufficient, I can handle it, to, I can't handle it, and all of heaven is like, finally, we all knew that a long time ago. So did your wife and your kids. Father's Day. You come from, I can't handle it, to God. And you cry out to him. That's when you and God merge and God changed Abram's name to Abraham. He came into covenant with him and said, okay, now we are going to do this together. Isn't that powerful? See, the truth is the journey of faith changes you from being a fearful, doubting person to a person who can trust and rest. You know, the reality is it is easy for God to provide. This is what God's trying to get us to. You know, I'm going to give you a couple of illustrations out of our personal life. Some of you have heard these stories, but please bear with me. Those who haven't, it'll be very inspirational. You know, dads like to provide. Uh, Hope and I were renting a home. We couldn't afford a home. We didn't know what we were going to do. We had no money in the bank. I just pioneered this church out of my living room. I used a tithe I'd saved up for a year as the seed for this. So we had no money. We didn't own a home, just started the church, no backing. I mean, it was like, you know, someone called a suicide mission. I was stepping out on the word of the Lord. And uh, Lord gave, the Lord gave us a prophetic word to the whole church that year that he was going to cause dreams to come to pass that had died in people's hearts. I didn't know my wife had a dream of owning our own home, but that dream had died in her heart. But God spoke spontaneously to the church that New Year's Day, and so she believed it. So she went out and started looking for a home. I said, what are you doing? She goes, I'm looking for a home. The Lord said he's going to bring dreams to pass. And I'm thinking, you know, as the the, the provider, as the dad, as the husband, I'm thinking, oh, God, I hope this works out. Right. And so she finds out that we need twenty thousand dollars as a down payment for a home. I don't have twenty thousand dollars. Stop. Why are you looking at me? You know, I mean, you just feel like you've got to 
dads, husbands feel like we've just got to pony up. We want to provide for our wives and our children. And, and so there was no way for us to do it. We talked to a friend of ours who's a money manager. He wasn't our friend because he's a money manager because we had no money to manage. He was just our friend. He happened to be a money manager. And we asked him, how do we get 20 grand? How much, you know, how can we purchase a CD? How long does it have to mature? And his answers were very discouraging. So we said, well, we need 20 grand for a down payment for a home. We were in his living room talking to him about this. 30 days later, a lady walks into his office in this city of 3 million, walks into my friend's office and says, I was driving down Wildcat Canyon Road and the God spoke to me and said, give a particular pastor, $20,000. And my friend's like, wow, what a lucky pastor. What's his name? And she said, John Ettore. He about fell out of his chair. I was just in his house 30 days earlier saying we need 20 grand. And so he calls me up and he says, hey, John, this is uh, so-and-so. And I said, hey, tell me you got 20 grand. He says, I don't, but a lady just walked in my office and she's got 20 grand for you. I said, what? She now the Sunday before I was just teaching on the father heart of God like I am today. When the twenty thousand dollar check came to me after I preached that message that Sunday that week, I get a twenty thousand dollar check in the mail and with it a note saying 10 years ago, I had not seen this gal in 10 years. I used to pastor in East San Diego. She didn't even know I was still in the city. The only way she found me was through my friend who knew where I lived because we're friends. The whole thing's just so God. And the note said, 10 years ago, you taught me on the father heart of God and it changed my life. So I come back to the pulpit the next Sunday and say, you remember I was talking about how much God the father likes to provide last week? (laughs) So we get that house. You got to fast forward. Now the house is too small for us and we have six kids and Hope again is, you know, we need to expand. We need more room. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I can't. You know, I mean, you're thinking. And she's looking on the website for all these homes. And five years ago, she finds this house on the website that is just like, it's $1.4 million. And she comes and says, John, look at this house. That would be my dream home. I'm like, yeah. And so, and you just feel, you know, God, I want to do this for you, but there's no way it's ever going to happen. And so five years later, I have Pete, who's a, who's a, a carpenter in our church, up at our house. And we're trying to squeeze another bedroom and bathroom into our house in Escondido. And it's just not going to happen. Hope walks into the room and says, I had a dream last November that we bought a home for a certain amount, $469,000. I mean, an exact number. It's like, oh, that's interesting. She gets on the computer, puts in all the criteria of the kind of house that she would want. That exact same house from five years ago comes up. For $469,000. And that's where we live now. So, so look, when I pull up to that house, so many times to this day, we've lived there one year now, I stop my car at the end of the drive and I just look at it and I say, there's no way I could have done that for my family. Thank you, God. You see the point here? The point is not the house. The point is this. God loves to reveal how big he is and how good he is and how much he loves us and how he wants to provide. Now, we don't get all of it, everything we want. It's not, you know, I want a Cadillac. That's not what this is about. This is about what do you need? God is your provider. Amen. And it's, it's so easy. It's so easy for God to give us that 20 grand. It was so easy for him to give us that house in Ramona. I mean, imagine this ram that was caught in the thicket. 
I mean, a couple of minutes ago, he was probably out in the pasture, right? Playing with his friends. And all of a sudden, he's all the way over here caught in a thicket. He's probably thinking, how did I get over here caught in the thicket? The next thing you know, he's on, you know, he's the sacrifice. He's like, what did I do? Or, or what about Elijah, right? God says to Elijah, I'm going to cause a drought in the earth. Elijah's like, great. What am I going to drink? And God says, I want you to go live by this, this river brook. He says, okay. So he's sitting by the river brook. And God commands the raven to bring him steak every night. Read it. It's in the Bible. Can you imagine the raven? Can you imagine the raven's friends going, why do you keep bringing that dude meat? And he's like, I have no idea. <laughs> and Elijah's like, this is cool, man. Just kicking it. Bring me sirloin. Can you bring me some prime rib tomorrow? I like a medium rare, you know. It is so easy for God, Jehovah Jireh, our God, to provide for us, family. And you don't need to have perfect faith, but rather just enough to do what God says. It is a partnership. You can't just sit there and do nothing, expect God to provide. You and I do have a part to play, but you don't need perfect faith, just enough to do what God says. And the truth is God is committed to helping your faith grow. He's not he's not criticizing you and I as we are growing in faith. I mean, it's just like a a father who's helping a child, you know, on the tricycle. Right. And then you like get him up in training wheels. It's like you can do this. Don't be afraid. You get him on training wheels. And then one day you say, all right, son, daughter, I'm going to take the training wheels off. What? I I can't. No, come on. I'm going to hold the bike. No, don't let go. Dad. No, I'm not going to let go. Woo. (laughs) And then they get their motorcycle. Right. You and I as dads and moms love to help our children develop in education, in relationships, in skill sets. We're there to nurture them. Jesus is there to nurture your and my faith every day. He is trying to get our faith developed to greater degrees by creating scenarios where we need to depend on God. So faith is not something you and I have to develop ourselves. God is developing it with us. In fact, the book of Hebrews says... That Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's on this journey with you and I for our entire lives. And you know that Abraham came to this place of faith where he's crying out to God in one minute. God, I don't have a child. This is never going to happen to in Genesis 22, where he tells his men, you guys stay here. The boy and I are going to go worship. Did you catch this phrase in the Bible by any chance when we read it? And we shall return. Woo! He had come to a whole nother level of faith. And that is God's intent. And in fact, when his own son, Isaac, said, Dad, I see the wood. I see the fire. Where's the lamb? And when God, when he says the Lord will provide a lamb for the sacrifice. That was profound. He had changed. And that's what God wants for you and I today. He wants us to change from being fearful, doubtful people to being men and women of faith. And we can see why Abraham was able to say this is this is going to blow you away. 
You can see why Abraham was able to say, me and the boy will come back. God had already said, you're going to sacrifice Isaac. And he says to his guys, the boy and I will come back. Look what the book of Hebrews says in the Faith Hall of Fame. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to come to a close. In the Faith Hall of Fame, it talks about Abraham, our father of faith. And it says this in Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. It was by faith. Everybody say by faith. It was by faith in God that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Now, do you know that God was not testing Abraham so that God could know whether Abraham would obey him? This is so important. God tests you and I for our sake so we can see where we are at. And it's not for us to feel defeated and like failures. If we are tested and we fail, it's just as an honest assessment of where I am. It's like, wow, I need to grow a little more. Or when he tests us and we pass the test, man, does that do we feel good. And you realize God has taken me to a whole nother place. I don't fret like I used to. And it gives you confidence to take the next step and the next trial and believe God for the next thing. That's why he tested Abraham. He wanted Abraham to see where Abraham had come to. And it says, so he tested him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Abraham, this is where you end up. Abraham had so developed in his faith journey with God that he was able to say after Isaac was born, a miracle child out of that woman and out of this man. If God could do that, God can do this. Amen. That's the way we're supposed to be living our faith walk with God. When you come to a new challenge, you say, well, whoa, wait a minute. If God could do that, then he can do. If God can do that, he can do. If God can do that, he can do. Whatever your this is right now, God can handle it. But you, to be able to get faith for it, you got to go to that and remember, oh, yeah, God did that. Then he can do this. And that becomes the faith that you live on. So will you say this last phrase with me? Put that last slide up there. Say this out loud when he gets there. God will provide. Say it again. God will provide. Say it again. God will provide. Now turn to the person next to you and look at him and say, God will provide. And then say, I, I've been trying to tell you this. <laughs> the name of our God is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Amen. Let's all stand. I'm going to ask you to take an honest assess assessment of where you believe you are right now in your independence or your dependence on God and your faith level or your unbelief level. And I just wanted to get consumed 
in the arms of Jehovah Jireh, your daddy, your papa in heaven, the guy with the castle, the doors open saying, come on in. You don't have to provide alone. God did not create you to live alone. It's a father and son, father and daughter relationship journey. And God's not broke and he never will be. We just open the palms up toward heaven in a receptive posture. And just say this, say, Father, teach me to depend on you. And to trust you. You're my God. Now in this moment with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you just to stay there and let the Lord show you the areas you're not trusting Him right now. Okay, now call that lack of trust in that area of your life sin. Just say, Lord, that's sin. That's fear. That's unbelief. And then I'll just say, from the depth of your being, you can do this. And say this last phrase with me to him. I pray that it really is true for you when you say this. Say, we can do this together. Father, I pray that you will show yourself as Jehovah Jireh to this family, this church, this body of believers this week. You said you'd confirm the word with signs following I pray for signs following this week where you reveal yourself as Jehovah Jireh to us so that everyone in this house can have their own personal experience and truly be able to say, my God will provide for me. In Jesus name. Amen. Happy Father's Day. Have a great week.